1: Every day, this dining room would be full. Milwaukee's soup house was thriving. Just like
0: that, everything shut down.
1: Until COVID-19 came along.
2: It was like a ghost town down here for almost a year.
1: But even as the pandemic wanes,
2: that doesn't mean people are coming back to work.
1: Many Milwaukee businesses are clinging to the efficiencies of remote work. We were spending a whole lot of money on wasted office space because people were thriving from home. How the pandemic could forever change the world of working downtown.
0: Maybe it's just something saying it's just your time is done.
1: From the Fox 6 studios, this is Open Record. I'm Brian Polson And this week we welcome Fox 6's Cassidy Williams to the podcast. Good morning, Cassidy.
2: Good morning, Brian. Good to see your face at least through Zoom.
1: And to see yours in the dark is Cassidy. I will tell you, you can't see this because we do we record this over Zoom, but she's recording in the dark because you're trying to improve sound by recording from your closet, right?
2: Yeah, any closet is a walk-in closet if you try hard enough.
1: So, all right, so um, this is Cassidy's first time here on Open Record, and we're going to talk a little bit later to help you get to know her a little bit. But I will tell you, first of all, by the way, we're recording this episode on Thursday, uh, June 3rd, for release on Thursday, June 10th. So this will be coming out about a week after we have this conversation. And that's another week out since you did uh, this story that we're going to talk about, Cassidy, but it's one that's still going to apply, I think, for, for some time to come. We're seeing all these signs of life emerging as we remember life before the pandemic we may never get back to true life before the pandemic but we're seeing those signs of life the the brewers are back to 100% capacity the the bucks are back to 100% capacity as they're in the playoffs it's so interesting to see five serve forum filled up with more people but downtown businesses are still nowhere near their pre-pandemic capacities and that was what you reported on recently And you told this through the story of a downtown restaurant and how it's been impacting them. Tell me a little bit about how that came about and and what you found.
2: Well, how the story really started was just, you know, driving through Milwaukee almost every day and you just see all these skyscrapers. And I just had been thinking. Is anyone even in those? Are people back in the offices yet? Um, And then I got an email the one day from a company, AQuint, saying that they were letting their leases run up all across the country, that they were just kind of giving up on the cubicle thing. And they like work from home. And it just made me kind of think of what impact that would have. And it led me to the soup house, which is closing for that exact same reason, because people just aren't buying lunch out anymore.
1: So Soup House is located downtown in an area that would have been served by or that serves downtown workers?
2: Yeah, it's right kind of in the center of all those major office buildings. How I found it actually was the company Aquint, their office space. I was just I just Google Maps it. they were at the city center right on Water Street. So I did a Google Maps to see kind of what restaurants are near there. Saw something called the Soup House, looked it up on Facebook and I was like, oh, goodness, it's closing tomorrow. Um, and that's what led me to them
1: oh you found out it was closing by just looking up nearby businesses to see how they'd be affected
2: yeah I was seeing what businesses would be affected and I was like, well <laughs> it closes tomorrow uh, called my photographer and like uh, can you come now
1: <laughs> so and when when was when were you doing that search roughly was this like during the month of May was this April when was this
2: it was end of April they closed April 29th
1: okay so end of April of 2021 now the pandemic obviously hit us in March of 2020 they survived for a whole year and now as things are reemerging is when they shut down. What do they what do they say about that sort of year of survival and their decision to close now?
2: Well really when I asked her why close now, it just came down to exhaustion of just the will be people be coming back they still were only making about a quarter of what they were making pre pandemic and she says the business was basically living off of the government with loans and things like that and she said the government had been generous but you can only live like that for so long and food prices were going up and the owner admits she was just exhausted and was just ready to be done
1: and I was really struck in in watching your story they talked about the place being routinely prior to the pandemic routinely full uh, you know, every day it would be full for hours, and they would turn over the tables. They'd just be packed, um, and and then they said, just in no time at all, it was a ghost town.
2: Yeah, but pre-pandemic, it sounds like that place was soup. They were selling twenty gallons of soup. They were doing so well that they would close the whole place down for a month in the summer just to go travel and go on vacation because they made enough money the rest of the year that they could do that. And then once the pandemic hit, everyone left downtown, and their business went with it.
1: Well, and there's a bigger picture thing here. You, you said that, you know, they closed because they were still at 25 percent of sales that they had pre-pandemic. And this is April, late April of 2021. Why were sales still so low? I mean, we're seeing so many other things come back to what feels like it's closer to normal. I mean, a lot of restaurants now are packed again. Bars are packed again. Baseball games are packed again. What's happening downtown that they're still selling 25 percent of the soup?
2: I think it was just their client base really was those people working the office job. Soup is a lunch kind of food. It's when you go, you know, people will drive downtown for a baseball game or maybe drive down for a nice dinner with their husband. But are you going to drive down to soup to downtown in the middle of the day, deal with parking to get soup? Maybe not. So I think it was just they were so focused on kind of that downtown and a lot of the lunch spots really thrive off of those downtown workers. So what does this say
1: about what's happening or what has changed about the way we work? Uh, We've obviously all seen I mean, just the fact that you and I are talking here over Zoom. This is not the way we did anything related to the news. Uh, you know, a little over a year ago. Now I feel like most of the news I do, I'm talking to people over a computer screen. There's a great convenience to it because we don't have to get together in person in a studio to have this conversation. You're at home, I'm at home and we can do this.
2: Yeah. And I think a lot of businesses have come to realize that, especially the ones kind of those downtown office jobs. You think the the cubicle type job or a lot of their work is on a computer to begin with. Companies have realized, hey, we can save a bunch of money on office space. Um, that was that company I talked to, Aquent, letting all their leases run up, saying they're going to reinvest that money in their employees and other things and having other kind of get togethers. When it comes to child care, you know, you don't have to deal with the commute. There are positives to working at, from home that companies have realized.
1: What are you hearing in terms of the prospect of workers returning to downtown? Are, are there some that will eventually start to come back? Are there some that never will? What are the people who sort of watch that sort of you know business environment downtown saying
2: well when i talked to the kind of ex- the ceo of the downtown improvement district um this was again late april so things might have changed or gone up since then um she said that they were estimating around 20 to 25 percent of workers had come back to the office and they were expecting around 50 percent by the fall um, how exactly how many will come back. And also, how, will they be coming back five days a week? I think it's still early to tell. Even just talking from a Fox 6 standpoint, we don't know yet when we're going back to the office or what that will look like. And I think a lot of people are still figuring that out.
1: And we don't have an office downtown. But obviously, for anyone, I guess, who, who leases office space, this has got to be a big issue because you the more people you have, you mentioned people working, uh, maybe they come back for a couple of days a week. Maybe there's a hybrid. You work two or three days in the office and, and you're at home. There may not be as ne- as much need for the space there has once been. I imagine there will be some real fallout in terms of just the office, you know, the business real estate industry.
2: Yeah. The Commercial Association of Realtors Wisconsin um, recently released their quarter one report and they've had five consecutive quarters of increase in vacancy rates. Um, right now it's at six at, for quarter one. It was 16.7 Percent of Milwaukee office space is vacant. That's not being leased at all. That doesn't even include the space that's being leased but not being used. Um, and so it's it's been going up for five straight quarters. So that's certainly something that will have an impact in the future.
1: I wonder with businesses that aren't doing as much in the office. And and I don't know. Maybe you've experienced this too. Uh, you know, we're, we're working from home. We have been for a long time. Most you know we we do a lot that's digital now, so there's not as much printing out of things. But I print out scripts and other things at home, and and it started to hit me. It wasn't too long into the pandemic. I went, wait a minute. I, I just had to go out and buy a whole bunch of ink. Has the cost of office supplies been shifted to people at home, or or a lot of businesses picking that up? There's savings that they don't have to operate in maybe that sort of office environment. Maybe they're saving on the business office supplies, but I wonder if that's being shifted on to workers to some degree. Have, have you run into that where you're like, you know, having to run to Office Depot or something to pick up ink?
2: Yeah, it's funny. I saw a tweet that was like, don't ask millennials to print anything. We've been using our, our work printers for years. And that really resonated with me because I don't own a printer. I've never had a printer. So I've just been dealing without one. But I do miss the printer back at the office. Um, and, you know, I remember doing a story on taxes a couple months ago about kind of you can't write off that stuff anymore. You need to ask your employers. So that's certainly something that I, conversations I think companies will need to have. Um, that's what the company was talking about is using the money that they would have spent on office space to kind of give back to employees for those kind of things and for other kind of get togethers.
1: You said the the, the downtown business uh, improvement district uh, person you spoke to was was they're they're projecting or hoping for maybe fifty percent of employees to be back by the fall. And I believe I recall her mentioning that uh, this was sort of she it sounded like an industry expectation that fall would really be a big comeback time. Is there is there any reason they t- are targeting fall or thinking that may be when? start to pick back up again?
2: I think it just has to do with the timing of fall, you know, with schools go like kind of feels like the start of a new year a lot of times um, with vaccinations hoping to be rates hoping to be higher by then. I think that's just what the industry is looking at as a big comeback point.
1: I do wonder how many of us will forever be working some sort of uh, certainly Remote interviews have become a thing that wasn't really a a big part of the news business, television news business prior to this. I I remember pre pandemic, I'm sure, you know, you've been you've been doing this long enough now to know that pre pandemic, if you had to do a Zoom or a Skype interview with somebody, I don't even think I knew about Zoom before the pandemic, but you had to do at the time it would do it be a Skype interview, it was a last resort. It was like, oh, man, that's going to look bad, and it's just not the same as being there in person. And many times we would reach out to another city where we had an interview and hire a freelance photographer to go out and shoot the interview, and it might cost hundreds of dollars to just shoot this one interview because it would look better. But now... Zoom is, is ubiquitous. We use it all the time.
2: Yeah, it's become the norm. I think people are just kind of used to what it looks like. I remember, yeah, pre pandemic, a lot of times, like if people weren't available in person, it was just that was a non-starter. Find a new story sometimes um, or find a different person that can talk in person. But um, we've all just kind of changed and Zoom's just a part of life now.
1: I do think from just having done interviews for a very, very long time, there is uh, there is something great. There's an intimacy to being in person. Sometimes I think the conversations are better and maybe the answers are, are more detailed and rich because you're there in person. You've got that in-person experience. You can see a person's full environment. So I still prefer that. But what I do like with... Uh, with this is the ability to get someone who, like you said, might have been a non-starter in the past. I I, I interviewed a, a, a woman um, w- when prisons were having COVID outbreaks that were out of control. A woman in Toronto, Canada. Uh, her her husband was in one of the prisons that was having one of the worst outbreaks, and got a hold of her. And in five minutes, there we were doing a face to face interview over Zoom. So certainly, there are some uh, you know things that are possible now that weren't possible before. But I miss that in person experience. We're getting some of that back, and 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 I know this takes me a little bit off the subject of the original story, but I think the point of it is. We've learned whether it's the news business or whether you're in some other uh, business environment that there are some real efficiencies to working remotely and things that you can do that are a lot quicker and, and and more cost effective than necessarily being in an office cubicle five days a week.
2: And I think that's one of the struggles is I think there, as far as like quantitative things that companies can look at, there's a lot of positives to keeping people at home as far as efficiency standpoints and saving money and those kind of things. And I think a lot of the benefits of being in person are the stuff that's harder to quantify, Um, you know, the camaraderie, the teamwork, the being able to kind of have that face-to-face interaction. Um, And that is certainly, I think, something we're going to see as this remote work continues of how that kind of changes just your connection to even your workplace um, going forward.
1: I'll bet there have to be some some uh, pretty bright researchers out there right now studying this very issue, because I think that's going to be something that's going to face the business community is what is lost in terms of innovation, collaboration, productivity by having people spread apart working remotely. While you might like you said, it might be obvious to see the dollar sign savings up front when you have a smaller office footprint um, and maybe fewer office supplies. But is there a loss in terms of your productivity and and your output um, when people aren't there to collaborate together?
2: Especially being, you know, a younger person in the office myself, I certainly miss being around other people because having being around the other people to learn from and to grow from, to bounce ideas off of those kind of things. And I have seen like there have been some surveys done that show kind of the younger generation wants to go back in the office sooner than maybe the older people who are like, don't need to learn from us. (laughs)
1: Well, you know, you look at our investigative unit where we've got sort of an office suite where there's, there's, you know, a handful of us back there together, and there's always been very easy collaboration. You bounce ideas. Hey, look at where I'm going with the story. What do you think of this? And just that sort of there was that we had a, a Keurig back in the office that would be sort of a meeting spot a lot of times that you would that would be the time to bounce ideas off of one another. Um, so definitely miss that aspect of it. But I have to say, if we ever do go back full time in person uh, I, I'm, I'm, or we go back in person face to face, I'm hoping there's a hybrid. I'm hoping there's still the option and the flexibility to work from home. And if I'm thinking that, I have to imagine a lot of people in the business world are thinking the same thing.
2: Yeah. And I think that that's what the downtown district in Milwaukee is expecting too, that a lot of offices will kind of find this hybrid model that works for them, depending on what they do.
1: So uh, before we go on to our off the record segment, I want to talk, this is your first time here on the podcast, Cassidy. And, and so I want to talk to you about uh, just let people get to know you a little bit. And, and, and I had to look up your bio to learn some of the things about the basic things. Like I didn't realize you were from you were raised in Philadelphia. So that that's home. Uh, do you still have family in Philly?
2: Yeah, technically the suburbs of Philadelphia. Philly people would get mad if I said I was actually from Philly. But yes, the East Coast, about an hour outside of Philly, right along kind of the Jersey border is where I grew up and my mom and sister still live out there.
1: So, you now, did you go all the way through high school? Did you graduate high school in, in Pennsylvania?
2: Yep. Born and raised. That's part of the country.
1: And then you went, ended up in the Midwest, or this side of, of things, uh, by going to uh, college in Illinois. Is that right?
2: Yeah. And a lot of people get confused about, like, why I went here and there. And I think I was just 17 and wanted to get away from home. And my whole family went to Penn State. So I was going to do something different um, and ended up at the University of Illinois and just kind of have been in the Midwest ever since.
1: And uh, and then from there, got into, obviously, television, your first job in South Bend, Indiana? Yes. Tell me a little bit about what what was it like uh, working in South Bend? What was your first TV job like?
2: Um, First TV job, I think I'm lucky. Could, listening to some other stories, I think it landed at a good spot. Um, a lot of good people to learn from. It was the same station that Suzanne... Um, Carl came from one of our photographers came from that station it was just a good place to grow I met my fiance there um, so it was a good two years in South Bend it was nice being in a college town with Notre Dame being younger so there was other a lot of other people my age and so it, it was a good two years there.
1: And this business can be tough, especially when you're early on in the business, can be tough on relationships like that because there's you need to move around. Um, so you met your fiancé in South Bend. You are engaged, and here you are in Milwaukee. So obviously that must have worked out okay. I know sometimes that can be a tough thing to manage.
2: Yeah, but I think I went into it kind of right when we started dating. I was like, my contract's up in a year, and I'm leaving. <laughs> so he knew that going in. Um, and so I picked Milwaukee partly because it was – a driving distance to South Bend while he finished up school there. And then um, within the last year, he got a job up here and now lives in Milwaukee. And we love it here.
1: Now, you mentioned this uh, just uh, off uh, the air before we got into recording the podcast, that even, even now, many people still come up to you and say, Oh wait, you're you're the reporter who had who had the apartment fire. Um, that that's become something that you've sort of been known for. But for those who don't know the background, obviously you had a pretty life changing experience here. Not long after you got to to Fox 6 here in Milwaukee, uh, what happened?
2: Yeah, it was a it had been it was about three months after I moved here. Um, you know, just starting to feel settled, and then there was that large fire up in Bayside at the White Oaks Apartments, which was where I lived. Um, and I don't think anyone could save anything from that fire. It was massive, um, kind of lost everything, which certainly kind of changes your perspective. It's been about two years now. But um, I posted about it on Facebook because we we walk up to people every day at fires and murders and get them to tell their story. And I just felt it was wrong that I wouldn't share my story in that situation. So I wanted to share my experience, kind of my lessons learned and posted about it on Facebook. Thought I was like, I hope I at least get like 10 likes that someone <laughs> likes it or notices and it just got shared way more times than I would have ever expected. Um, and now a lot of people two years later still come up to me and say, hey, you're the reporter whose apartment burned down because people kind of read the story.
1: You lost everything. I remember you writing. You had like nothing but the clothes on your back. Uh, what was it like to recover from that and, and sort of try to get your get your life back together?
2: Yeah, I guess you don't realize how much stuff you own, like all, all the little things like walking. Like I remember walking into Cole's realizing okay I need to buy a new comforter and I'm standing there and I'm like oh wait I don't own any pillows either like just all the little things you have to kind of gather that you normally gather over years you know in college you get a little bit here a little bit there and just getting it all at once was kind of a lot luckily I had renter's insurance which was a huge help luckily Fox 6 was a huge help um you guys all really supported me and helped me out um And so it was a lot, because a lot of people, I also realize when you tell them you lost everything, they have a hard time wrapping their brain around it. Um, But you just you just take it one step at a time and you get back to where you were.
1: Well, I'm glad that you are here and that you are uh, on a a better path now and, and, and that you recovered from that. I think that that might be as good a time as any for us to go off the record. This is the part of the podcast where we get a little more personal, have a little fun by answering a question we have not prepared for. Once again, executive producer Sarah Smith here with that question. What do you have this week, Sarah?
0: This week I have these the these these questions? These questions. I have these which questions. Maybe it's funny that I said it that way because I'm talking about food. So I'm like a chef. We oui, wee. Oui. Anyway. Um, okay, so the question is: you are cooking. For the whole team, the whole Fox 6 team.
1: Oh, wow. Okay. Um,
0: What is your signature dish?
1: Are you going to go first again to give us time to think about Uh, this? Yeah, yeah, okay. You tell us. Yeah,
0: I can go first. I had to think about this too because there's things that I like, but I'm like, meh. Um, So I would say chili. I have a really bomb chili recipe. And I I mean, I don't mean to pat myself. Well, yeah, I do mean to pat myself on the back. I I mean, I've tasted other chilies, homemade and restaurants and stuff. And there's just something about the chili I make that's just really stinking good. So I want to share that with the people I enjoy. Like my colleagues,
1: so um, you'll be here uh, Friday five o'clock then with yeah, your t- yeah, okay, fantastic. <laughs> I don't
0: know, I can't eat, I can't eat chili when it gets over about sixty degrees. It seems weird.
1: Well, it looks like we're waiting till uh, Packers season next yeah. fall then.
0: <laughs> exactly, I'll be over,
1: and we'll watch Jordan Love's first football. Game. Wait, never mind. I don't know. Um, uh, that's a whole too different soon. issue. Do it too, too soon. soon. Okay. Uh, no, for, I, I will say that uh, I, I don't know if this is. The, can it be like a like a dish to pass kind of thing, or are we talking main thing? Because whatever when it, when, whatever you feel when like. when it comes to that sort of deal, and I could. Make make it in probably large quantities I my go-to like if I go to a Packers party or something like that and there's is is to bring along a crock pot full of um I don't even know what what it's really called but it's it's a buffalo chicken dip it's just Mm. it's just chicken and it's pretty basic I mean I think a lot of people make it but I I love it's buffalo chicken it's the the or it's it's actually shredded chicken like a, a Frank's red hot sauce sometimes the buffalo wing sauce um you got some ranch powder thrown in there some shredded cheese put that on chips. It's absolutely delicious. It's easy to make. Um, it's not healthy at all. Um, but I love it. And so I, maybe that would be my go-to.
0: I would eat your dip, man. All right, Cassidy, what you got?
2: Yeah, I get, if I needed to feed everyone, I would just order out. <laughs> I would do everyone a favor and just order <laughs> out. I am the type Door of person at, <laughs> at a party. If like we're volunteering for stuff to bring, I'm like, I'll bring the paper plates and the napkins and so I would just order out. I'm not you a know,
0: chef. All those things are important, though, because I've been to places where everyone brings dishes and it's like, did someone bring bowls? Nope. Did you bring knives? Nope. I mean, and then and then we're, you know, up the creek. So plates and napkins are a very important part of any get together.
1: I got you. My friend group always involves people who are really good party planners so that I don't have to be the one who's good at that sort of planning and I, we do we have, we have a couple of friends who just love to plan parties and so they're always the ones making sure someone's got the drinks and the ice and the whatever and and then you know i just bring my buffalo dip and everybody's happy we all win all right well again uh, cassidy thank you so much for joining us this week on the podcast it's great having you on and and we'll definitely be sure to have you back again soon uh and uh so you know keep some room there in the closet
2: i will <laughs> thanks for having me
1: As always, thank you to the people who make this podcast possible. Producer Pete, Dave Machuda, Suzanne Barthel, and Sarah Smith. Please subscribe to Open Record if you haven't already. You can find it wherever you get your podcasts. With that, I'm Brian Polson, and we'll be back again next week.